listening to the Colorado Springs Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at Your Castle Real Estate. All right, in today's podcast, we're going to talk about nine lessons learned in real estate investing, plus one cautionary piece of advice. So my name is Chris Lopez. I'm one the co-host along with Jenny Bayless. Jenny, good afternoon. Hey, Chris. How's it going? Good. I'm excited to do this podcast because this is, um, you know, it's a little bit different in terms of more just some great, you know, looking back and wisdom. And how this podcast came about is, you know, you and I met a couple of weeks ago. It was right around the half year mark. And we got talking, you know, family, business, investing, kind of catching up on goals, and everything like that. And as you were talking, you you were sharing how you made a shift in a lot of your investments right now. You're focusing on doing some debt reduction versus like heavy acquisition mode. And as you're doing that, you start reflecting back on lessons that you've learned up to this current phase in your investing career to start sharing with uh, clients and audience members out there. So that's where this came from. I'm excited that you're sharing it. So thank you. And where should we start? Do we just jump into it or where do you want us to start? Yeah, I think let's just start from the top. And I'm pretty sure that we'll probably uh, go off on a few tangents along the way. I think that's probably best. All right. What's yeah. lesson number one? So lesson one, sewer scope. Always get a sewer scope. So not much to say here other than the fact that for $100, $200, you can save tens of thousands of dollars in future headaches. And I can only say, trust me, because um, I have experienced uh, the, the the downside of not getting a sewer scope before. So it's a very actionable piece of advice that everyone who is uh, about to purchase a property can can take note of. I agree. Every single month with our clients, we always sewer scope and we always have some sewer that is going to cost $10,000 plus that is either blows up the deal or is handled through you know, the inspection resolution process. So Jenny, great. Lesson number one. What's lesson number two? All right. Delayed gratification is a must. Um, so I think a lot of people are attracted to real estate thinking, Hey, I can, I can exit my day job, you know, that sort of thing. And I have, I really feel as if it has a, uh, you know, misunderstanding surrounding it. It's, it's really not a get rich, get rich quick type of technique or type of investment. It's a, I consider it a grow a nice amount of wealth over a long period of time. Uh, that's kind of how I would describe it. So I think that delayed gratification is key. And if you grow to become a successful investor, you can see the forest for the trees. So um, if you're going to be searching for immediate gratification with rental real estate, you aren't going to get it. And I think that having misaligned expectations with basically reality, you're just going to be really disappointed in that case. Um, so, you know, something that comes to mind really easily is that if you're a rental property investor and you're told by your property manager or your tenant, hey, the oven's broken, you need to replace the oven. Um, if you have a, an immediate view of it, you're going to be really irritated. Hey, that's 500 bucks down the drain. Um, five years from now, you shouldn't care that you spent 500 bucks on that oven five years ago, um, because you're going to be able to see it, uh, uh, you know, from a more well-rounded point of view. So you're going to see equity, you're going to see cash flow. that 500 bucks, five years ago should not impact you. Um, and I think that it's really important to, to take a step back and, and think about that. I totally agree. 
I mean, I'm nodding my head here while you're talking about it. And this is, I mean, I think everyone hears it. Um, and writing for some people, it's, you know, it's, it's great advice, but really internalize that because different ways of saying that say being patient, realize today, if you consistently stick with a plan, you let the market do its thing, you let, you know, the, the property and your interest basically compound, um, you know, over a decade, over a couple decades, you can create a lot of wealth with a very high probability that you'll, you'll get there. So mm -hmm. I love it, Jenny. So sewer scope, delay gratification, number three. Know what your strengths are and what they are not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I think you probably know where I'm going to go with this for me personally. Um, when we first started investing, uh, my husband and I, we tried to do a lot of the things ourselves, painting, minor repairs. Guess what? We are not good at painting. We are not good at doing repairs. So there are people that do this as this is their living. They're, they're experts at doing these types of, of projects. So it's like, okay, well, instead of us doing something, not, but not looking good and then eventually having to pay a professional to come along and, and fix whatever we did, just kind of letting go of that control. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure everyone knows I'm a bit of a control freak when it comes to um, our rental properties, but yeah, just letting go of that giving the professionals the, uh, you know, the freedom to do what they need to do, stepping back and more so focusing my time and energy as to the areas that I am good at. So repairs, I'm not good at thinking of long-term strategy, you know, financing techniques. I would say that that's probably where I excel in, in real estate investing. So just kind of letting go and, and focusing where uh, my strengths are. What's number four, Jenny? Lending. So I think that it's really important to put a lot of focus on lending, even though most people out there would probably agree it's one of the more boring aspects of real estate investing. Um, and I, I probably have mentioned this story before, but when I started first started uh, investing, um, I tried to get the deal first and the lender second. This is absolutely wrong. Um, and that's something that our group... We teach, uh, you know, investors and clients get the lending lined up, and then we can talk about purchasing the deal. So that's absolutely the correct way of doing it. Um, about four years ago, uh, one day before we got to the closing table, I wasn't able to do a cash out refinance because the lender and I weren't on the same page, um, and I was not aware of a concept called seasoning before I could pull cash out of a cash out refinance. So. I was penalized in the fact that I had to do a rate and term refinance and then do a cash out refinance a couple months later. So I not only had my cash stuck in that bird property for longer than I would have wanted, um, I had to eat two sets of refinancing costs. So that was kind of my my penalty to myself uh, for for not going about it the right way. Yeah, and this is a really great thing to talk about because, you know, for a lot of people, they just, you know, they see all the ads, see interest rates, and the view lenders, oh, who's going to have the best interest rate or the cheapest closing cost? And, you know, you definitely don't want to go for the cheapest rate, go for like the most qualified professional because there's always someone cheaper. But I mean, a lot of times that might be like $10, $12 a month, actually, once you figure out the cost on there. But if they can't get the job done, that cheaper rate doesn't matter. So I agree with you wholeheartedly, Jenny, make sure you have lending in place um, and make sure you communicate plans and ideas and dates. I've always learned the more I communicate, um, the better, because anytime I do an assumption, uh, well, assumptions usually don't work out, at least for me. So communicate. 
and work yep. with your lender. Exactly. Um, and then, so the next lessons learned is real estate investing is very analytical, but it's important that you always trust your gut. Um, and you can't put a number to what a gut check is. Um, I do recommend that you do listen to other people that are more experienced than you, but know that you have a personal plan that's unique to your goals and your life. Um, and you're the only one that really knows what, what that is, um, you know, in and out. So I think that it's really important to kind of focus on that. Um, you know, as time has gone on, I've actually allowed my gut to speak louder than my brain. Um, and, and I'm glad that I've done that. Um, so even mathematically speaking, it would make more sense for me right now to trade up some of my properties and to get into larger and more complex properties out there. But the properties that I do have, I enjoy owning them. They're getting me to my goals. And that, and this is, you know, kind of where this kind of comes full circle, in my opinion. Now, that's a lot coming from an analytically minded CPA, I'm assuming, right? <laughs> like, so that's really good advice and something that it's really good self-awareness on your part. Thanks. So what's number six? All right. Repairs versus replacements. Um, I think that those two words have very different meanings to people. Um, but if you think about it, it's just sometimes it's just easier to replace than to repair something. Um, and it's kind of con counter to what we're taught, um, you know, in terms of, you know, being mindful of, of our expenses and everything. So sometimes it's just not worth the time and money to, se to send a, an appliance repair person over there three times, um, opposed to just replacing the unit. So, um, you know, just kind of, kind of remembering the fact that, you know, that's three times that you're going to have to coordinate with the tenant and the uh, repair person, and you're going to have to pay for parts, labor. By the time that all that is done, you know, really consider, oh, I could have just spent 500 bucks on a, on a new unit and, and be done with it. And just, yeah, I think it's, it's a hard shift to think about and you probably have to go through it a few times. But once you do, I think that uh, it's something to definitely keep in the back of your mind. That's a great lesson learned. Number seven. <laughs> All right. There is no such thing as a perfect deal, which I think is going to be painful for a lot of people to hear out there because, you know, everyone's searching for that perfect deal. Um, but I would say that not a single property that I have um, that I own at the moment has, I, have I ever thought it was a perfect deal yet I am extremely happy with all of them. So I think that's really important to highlight. Um, there's always something making it less than perfect. And I always see real estate as just a series of trade-offs compared to price. I mean, even for your forever home, um, you know that, that in itself is still a, a series of trade-offs. It might be to a lesser extent. Um, but you know, condition of the property, if it's in poor condition, you should expect a lower price, but now your risk has increased vice versa location. Maybe the house is next to a house that looks like it's about to fall apart. Um, so that would be a detract, uh, you know, detracting, um, criteria on, on that property that you're looking to buy. So yeah, I don't think that I've ever bought a single property on, and on day one, I said, Oh, that was, that was a home run. Oh, I agree. And so far, this is my favorite lesson, Jenny. Uh, <laughs> not, not, you know, there's no perfect deal. Um, and I've just seen over my years, you know, as I've, you know, 
learned investing, you know, learned entrepreneurship, learned life that a lot of people who spend, folk, you know, spend time on finding the perfect property, the perfect business plan, the perfect partner, whatever it is, perfect, they often never do anything or find anything. Um, yep. And so I never go for perfection. I go for cool. This is pretty good. I'm happy with it. Yeah, because pretty good is better than nothing. Yes. So I think that, yeah, that just it's hard to it's hard to make that leap, especially the first couple of properties, not thinking, oh my gosh, I I can anticipate everything that's going to happen. This is a slam dunk. Um, it's really hard to kind of get over that mental hurdle. So I think it's important to 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 think about that. All right. Number eight. All right. It's okay to make mistakes. Um, so this is a, I, that's I like a really good one. Yes. <laughs> so I, I've made a lot of mistakes in my investing. A lot, a lot. Some really embarrassing ones, you know, just like, oh my God, I can't believe that I would do something so stupid. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's all worked out because in, on the first hand, I'm not ever going to do that again. So I've learned from the mistake. Um, so it's going to save me in the long run, hopefully that I don't, you know, re- repeat it. Um, but in 10, 20 years from now, um, you know, minor mistakes like that, I'm not going to care that I did it. So it's just real estate is so forgiving, especially, you know, investment, long-term rental real estate is so forgiving. And I think that you need to give yourself some grace and, and the room to make mistakes. Cause that's how you learn. I completely agree with there. I mean, that that is exactly how you learn. Even if you hear it yep. in a podcast, reading a book, that's very different than do it yourself and realizing, oh yeah, well now I really understand the piece of advice from that person. So I, <laughs> yep. I, I agree. I don't think mistakes are a bad thing. Um, that's just part of life. Accept it, move on. And a lot of times I'm like, hey, the more mistakes I make, that just means the more money I'll eventually make in the future. Because I look at those as, exactly. as lessons learned. Yep. All right, number then, nine. Oh, number nine. Oh, so number nine, I'm stealing this from Chelsea on our team. Um, so she said this in a team meeting and it just like really stuck with me. And what she said was, if you're ever feeling frustrated about a property today, scroll to the five-year tab on that property's analysis. Why? And just because you will see that in five years that you know, broken faucet is not going to matter. Yeah, it's taking up space in your brain today, but in five years, you're going to have decent equity growth. You're going to have debt pay down. You're going to have better cash flow, hopefully. Um, so just, you know, if you're having a bad day today, um, you know, think about what it's going to be like in the future. And just, you know, if I think about, if I really start and go, oh yeah, I was super annoyed about when, such and such happened a few years ago. I'm like, it didn't make a difference in my life today. You know, I'm just thinking about it because I'm trying to right now. But um, yeah, it didn't make a difference. And number nine really goes along with number two. So, hey, you're looking at mm-hmm. the five-year big picture. That goes back to the delay gratification that if you, if you have time in the market, that's much more important than timing the market. All right, yeah. so we've gone through nine of these, Jenny. Always see your scope. Delay gratification is a must. Know your strengths and your weaknesses. Get your lending partner in place. Trust your gut to offset your analytical mind. No repairs versus replacements. 
Don't get stuck in perfection mode. Looking for the perfect deal. It's okay to make mistakes. And number nine, when you get frustrated, look at the five-year projection. So I like these, but I'm really curious. What's the cautionary tale? Because I, I have not seen these until we've done this podcast. So like, I'm, I'm waiting. What's the asterisk? Yes. What's the cautionary tale? So thankfully, I, I can't call this a lesson learned, thankfully. Um, but it's to always make sure that you have adequate reserves. So um, I haven't been burned by the absence of reserves, but I know analytically they're needed. Uh, anything can happen. High vacancy, large repairs, you know, another pandemic. I mean, anything can happen. And I, and I know, you know, cognitively that, that, you know, is a matter of when, not if, um, but emotionally it also helps me sleep at night knowing that everything that I've, I've worked through for, Items one through nine is is getting protected. All right, so you got these lessons, or the you know, listeners have these lessons. What should people do to internalize these, or take this away and put that into, into action items? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, hmm, I would say probably just yeah, listen to this a few times, and then maybe think about when you've caught yourself. You know, especially like the perfect deal piece. I think that's something that everyone can probably relate to. So think about times where you've you've caught yourself in that, um, and press the fast forward button and say, you know, do I really think that this would have bothered me too much? Probably not. Um, and just kind of figure out ways to help yourself uh, cope with that. That's that's kind of how I, I've done that. So as we wrap this up, I agree with you. Like, you know, listen to it and. You know, my goal is always try to take like, you know, one nugget from things away. And this is, you know, when you have these lessons learned, there's always like different layers on there. So I would definitely encourage people listen to it, read it, whatever your you know mode of learning is. But there's some great nuggets in here. So, Jenny, final thoughts before we wrap up? No, just uh, everyone will have their own version of these, hopefully. Uh, hopefully we can get from our audience their lessons learned in, you know, five, ten years from now. Yeah, actually, if you guys have lessons that you learn, want to add to this list, you know, email Jenny, uh, post on social, leave in the comments somewhere, or like actually give us here. It'd actually be fun to kind of see lessons learned. I always love learning what other other lessons other people have learned because it's mm -hmm. kind of like a free college class you get to take rather than having to pay for it. Oh, great. Jenny, you made that mistake. <laughs> you know, it's a good way to learn as well. So listeners out there, if you guys have lessons learned or things to add or things to debate with us, reach out to us. Jenny, thank you so much. This has been a great podcast as always. Thanks, Chris.